Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the latest episode of Pick a Flick, the show where you pick him and we watch him. Simple as that. I'm Tony Black, your host, and joining me today is a first-time podcaster, because we love those on Pick a Flick. Say hello to Laura Rogers. Hello. First ever podcast, Laura. I know, I know. I'm I'm genuinely really nervous and also so worried that I'm going to sound really nasal. Well, you don't right now, so it's okay. If, if you get too nasally, I will... I'll let you yeah, know. tweet. Um, so obviously we have recurring guests on Pick a Flick quite often. So whenever someone new comes on, I always feel compelled to sort of explain how I know the, these people. <laughs> oh gosh! So how how did we meet? Because I think it's quite a funny circumstance that we met, don't you? Kind of, yeah. Um, so we met in a course. We did a a college course in. Count, well, helping helping skills. Helping skills. Yep. Mm. At Solihull College. Part of the Midlands. Yep, in the Midlands. And how long was the course? About about twelve weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, twelve. <laughs> oddest week. They um, were odd. They were odd because it was basically an introduction to counselling, wasn't it? Yeah. So we were in a room with around what tw- 10, 12 other people. Yeah. who were from all kinds of walks of life, all kinds yeah. of ages. Yeah, it was. we kind of gravitated towards each other, I think, as some sort of normality. <laughs> yeah, there, 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 yeah. Was a, there was a few, like, when, when someone would come out with a an odd comment or something that was a bit intense, you and I would just tend to give each other a sideways glance with yeah. a hint of a grin. <laughs> I think this is one for the pub. I th- yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I'm sure you described it like you were. You felt like Louis Theroux at times in that room. Yes, I did. <laughs> I can only wish. Which always, yeah, which always made me laugh. But yeah, mm-hmm. since after that we um, uh, stayed in touch. Yeah, obviously because we we got on well. 
And yep. um, Laura's a, uh, a a big kahuna, I think, in the world of roller derby, aren't you? Not a big kahuna, but sure. No, you're, re- you're relatively... I mean, you, I've seen things on Facebook where you're actually popping up on TV now. So I play roller derby for the Birmingham Blitz Dames. So if anybody knows what roller derby is and wants to get involved, join the Birmingham Blitz Dames. Yeah, it, it's... I, I'd never heard of it before I'd met you. And it, it, I've, now I've actually, I actually saw it and came to see yep. you play. And it, it's really cool. It's really interesting. So I recommend that. And it's, it's becoming a bit more known, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit more mainstream now. And there's loads of teams all over the country and all over the world. And it's the big world championships this weekend, actually, which we're not part of yet. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's awesome. Fantastic. That's really good. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get on with the show and talk about two films that have been nominated by you, the listeners. And before we start, let's do the usual thing. Let's pick a flick. Unbreakable, which is a 2000 American neo-noir superhero drama film written, produced and directed by M. Night Shyamalan and starring Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. The film tells the story of Philadelphia security guard David Dunn who slowly discovers that he possesses superhuman powers. Shyamalan organised the narrative of Unbreakable to parallel a comic book's traditional three-part story structure and after settling on the origin story, Shyamalan wrote the screenplay as a speculative script with Willis already set to star in the film given that he starred in The Sixth Sense before and Jackson in mind to portray... Elijah Price. Unbreakable received generally positive reviews, praising the superhero theme, the acting performances, and the musical score by James Newton Howard. Let's see a clip of this one. Mr. Price, can we talk about the note that you left on my car? I've studied the form of comics intimately. I spent a third of my life in a hospital bed with nothing else to do but read. I believe comics are a form of history that someone somewhere felt or experienced. Then, of course, those experiences and that history got chewed up in the commercial machine, got jazzed up, made titillating cartoon for the sale rack. The city has seen its share of disasters. I watched the aftermath of that plane crash. I watched the carnage of the hotel fire. I watched the news, waiting to hear a very specific combination of words, but they never came. Then one day, I saw a news story about a train accident, and I heard them. There is a sole survivor, and he is miraculously unharmed. I have something called osteogenesis imperfecta. It's a genetic disorder. I don't make a particular protein very well, and it makes my bones very low in density, very easy to break. I've had 54 breaks in my life, and I have the tamest version of this disorder, type 1. There are type 2, type 3, type 4. Type fours don't last very long. So that's how it popped into my head. If there is someone like me in the world, and I'm at one end of the spectrum, couldn't there be someone else, the opposite of me at the other end? Someone who doesn't get sick, who doesn't get hurt like the rest of us. And he probably doesn't even know it. The kind of person these stories are about. A person put here protect the rest of us I don't know about you Laura but I think Unbreakable is a classic no no (laughs) no (laughs) oh gosh no okay 
Come on then, yeah. you, you go first then. Why 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 isn't it great? I because it sets out to be great and I think the premise is quite exciting and I was I, I got initially I was like this this is gonna be good, this is gonna be really cool. And then about sort of I'd say twenty five minutes in it it just unravels and it goes downhill from there and by the end it just didn't deliver at all. I, I I didn't really care by the end, to be honest. <laughs> it's a film that raises questions, and that's fine, but it sort of half answered them, and then you kind of got the feeling that the only reason it wasn't answering any more of the questions were because it didn't know how to, and I think it was just, it just lost its way. It was this weird pseudo-supernatural, pseudo-realist, I just thought it was a mess, basically, to be honest. I really didn't enjoy it very much. The reason that I think Unbreakable is a classic... Well, it's interesting because people talk about The Sixth Sense as being M. Night Shyamalan's masterpiece or his best film, and it's obviously the one that that people know him for. Yeah. And I did care in that film, but not to the degree I did here. And I I really thought it was... I I really liked the the journey he goes on and, and the ideas behind it and I you know I, I was I was invested in them in the in that family you know I wanted them to to stay together you know David David Dunn and his his wife obviously are estranged they're living in the yeah. same house they uh they're, they're not sleeping together they're, they're effectively broken up they've got like a 10 year old son who wants that to change and starts to believe that his dad might be more than than he seems because obviously he survives this this massive train crash yeah, at the beginning, which is just insane, and then he hasn't got a scratch on him. And it's—I it's, thought that was really, really cool as well. I thought starting it with something like that, uh, where it's this really strange event, I cared. It's funny you were both at different ends of the scale. <laughs> yeah, I re- that's the thing is that I, I really didn't, and I wanted to. That's the thing. I, I really did want to, but I just—it just got really slow, and. As I say, they weren't really answering anything. It was so the Bruce Willis character, he's yeah, so he's unbreakable, right? And then there's the Samuel Jackson character who is completely breakable. And they sort of they 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 kind of they show more about the Samuel Jackson character, who I think is actually the more interesting of the two. And the Samuel Jackson character kind of gets this whole origin. So you see his birth. Mm. You see him as a child. And the thing that really sort of threw me is they gave the Samuel Jackson character, it's Elijah, isn't it? Is that his name? Yeah, Elijah Price. Elijah Price. So they give Elijah Price a reason for his condition, a reason why he's breakable. And they, they sort of, they explain it and they play on it. And then in the same breath, you're kind of expected to just accept that, someone who's unbreakable exists, Bruce Willis, and they give absolutely no reason at all for it. And he, and also, they want you to expect him not to know that he's unbreakable. So the first time in his life, he, he realises he's never been ill, he's never had a, anything bad really happen to him, he survived all, like a couple of quite harrowing events, is he's 40 and in a train wreck. I just think they're asking a bit, or the director, he was just asking a bit much there. Like, I, I just, I didn't really get it. It's, it's sort of, so the, the Bruce Willis character is this kind of 
supernatural, superhero-esque mystery man. Meanwhile, Samuel Jackson's kind of grounded in reality and, and is debilitated. And it was just this odd, odd contrast. And it just didn't really, I just didn't think it worked. It's interesting you should say that because when he conceived the idea for it, he found the birth of Elijah the most interesting part, which obviously yeah. that's, that's the first thing we see of, yeah. the, of the entire film. And he fa- and so he decided to write it as an origin story. But I, I see what you mean about it being Elijah's origin and then not the origin of David at yeah. the same time. And I, and I agree that, I mean, when I watched it again today, I did think, well, how would you not notice for 40 years that you've never had a day off or you've never been sick? Yeah. You know, I, 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 did, I did wonder that. I thought that's a bit of... I mean, I know it's one of those things that if, you, if you're a generally healthy person... You may yeah. not you may not keep a track of it. You may not you know re, you know, relentlessly. But then I think at the back of your mind you would go. It's a bit weird, isn't it, that I never get ill? You yeah, <laughs> and, and I think, yeah. I see what even you mean. in even if you and the, the thing is something like that sounds it sounds like a bit of a spoil sport comment. Like a just you know just go with it. Just and and I did. I was I did just sort of accept it. You know, and you think oh you know bloody men they have no idea like he has to he has to ask his he has to ask his wife how many days he's been sick or if she ever remembers him remembers him being ill yeah. and you think fine but actually as the film goes on you really do it it does become a bit of a sticking point or it certainly did for me i was sort of a bit i just got i just got a bit irritated by it you know and 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 as i say i actually thought that the samuel jackson character was one who was who had more potential and who I, I wanted to see more of, but it got a bit bo- I, I got a bit bogged down with Bruce Willis's sort of family situation and the sort of really slow motion, just long dragged out scenes, just in his family home and with his wife. It was all a bit sort of I thought it was a bit round the houses, really. That's mm. a bit of what Shyamalan does, though. I mean, if you look at his films, yeah. and obviously they go, they get successively worse although the visit which came out about two months ago was was better it's the best mm. one he's done probably since signs actually which was the one after this but yeah every, every one of his films has it has long moments of quite often very quiet very quiet introspective characters i mean the two that bruce willis has played for him were you know were very similar in a way because the character he played in the sixth sense yes yeah. he spoke very quietly and he was, you know, it's that, and so it's the opposite yeah. of Bruce, the Bruce Willis that we we're all used to, where he's running around with a gun and he's going, yippee kaye, fucker, and all this. Yeah. He actually really, in these films. Yeah. Yeah. He really, Bruce can you. rest easy, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bruce wishes he was me. Yeah. But, but he's, he actually has this talent, which was never seen before, these films, to have that introspective kind of quiet, brooding sense. But it does admittedly mean that you do have quite a slow pace but I think for me I think that just makes it even more of a payoff when he gets to the point where he realises what he is and who he is and it's that whole idea that as I said before he tried to do it as a, as a comic book structure so that you see the, the the birth literally of the superhero so you see the birth the literal birth of the supervillain you see the the birth of the superhero as he realises you know what what he can do a bit like you know when when a, when a young Bruce Wayne is in the cave and and the bats fly around him and he stands up and then he realizes you know he's starting to realize what he can do or what he is and then 
I just, I mean, the, the it's the bit the bit I love, and I, lo- I love lots of things about this film. But the bit I love is where he goes and re- saves the family. I mean, that that's another thing as well. It's a bit of a leap. How, yeah. how can he how can he kind of read what they what they've done wrong? That's another thing that he asks you. Yeah, to go with. I think the premise of it and the ideas in it are, are pretty cool. And I was on paper, I was really up for this movie. I thought I'd love mm. this. This is really my cup of tea. Yeah, and then it just. As I say, it kind of unravels. It just loses itself, and it just it asks these questions of itself, of the plot, of the characters, and it just kind of gives you nothing. And yeah, I, like that scene was it was pretty good. It, it was a, it was just a weirdly slow motion. I know that's very stylistic mm. of, of the director, but it, it was just I thought it like lost a thrill aspect, and the ending. Obviously, I don't want to say what the ending is in case people haven't seen it. Mm. came too late and then they actually dared to conclude it with text <laughs> <laughs> well yeah like I was yeah. just I was quite livid actually if I'm honest <laughs> I stayed up I'd had a Chinese I was I was pretty annoyed <laughs> by that point <laughs> how dare that film do that to me whereas that was actually the that was the part that I was kind of waiting to see and it just mm. sort of limped out you know I tend to feel like it's the payoff Myself, I tend to feel like it's the it's the moment that kind of contextualizes what Shyamalan is trying to do, which is deconstruct the idea of the myth behind what a super what a hero and a villain is, you know, because it's it's obviously it's even though it does have these fantastical things, it does ask you to go with and is a little bit out there, and I I agree with that. It does also kind of try and ground it in a very much a way where you don't have any explanations. It's not like he falls into a vat and then he's turned into like some sort of supervillain, you know, with, with powers and things like that. It's more about how this is grounded in a world where you don't really... It, there, there is almost like... With, with Elijah, there's a scientific reason like the way he is with with his brittle bones and things like that. Admittedly, there isn't with David, but then there is this, this suggestion that there was an accident in his past that may have... But that is a little bit more mysterious... So that certain things, like in that sense, don't admittedly tie up. But I think it was the the way the way he shut it and the way he he made it he made it you feel for me anyway is why I I was invested and why I felt I felt it was just quite a moving film in a way. I think the score helps as well. The music is beautiful for this. It's one, yeah, it's one of the, not, the best soundtracks. It's, it's lovely, and it really helps to add to the kind of mystery and, and myth of it. But it would divide. It would divide people. I think it's by far and away his best film. Do um, you? Oh, by a long, long distance. Oh, see, uh, it's got to be Sixth Sense. I think bit for well, me. I think, I think most people would say that. If it was my movie, the ending's quite. It's quite cool, but it's come up. It came after such a long time of this. It was there was a build up, but it was. It wasn't. It's not suspenseful like the Sixth Sense. It's a different kind. They, as I say, I felt it dragged, but I get other people probably sort of going along with it a bit more. And it does just suddenly conclude, but the conclusion itself is quite interesting. And if he'd just given it something after that, given these two actors who I think were good in it, you know, and it, they're both playing something a little bit different from their usual. As you said, it's not diehard Bruce Willis, and it's it's Sam Jackson in in, in sort of something quite different as well. And instead, they they kind of get this really short, limited, cut-off ending together. And I think, actually, there could have been something really great there. And it could have redeemed itself for me, but it just, it didn't. And as I say, it actually ended with 
with text on the screen. It just, I think it just massively let it down. Would you say it was a twist at the end? I, I, I think I think you could classify it as a twist. It's not yeah. like it's not the same kind of twist as in the Sixth Sense. No, um, at all. Uh, yeah. And we'll get to that in a bit. It, it is it is definitely classed as a twist, but it's one of those twists that is more about a sort of realization, a character realization, as opposed to being a what the fuck had just happened there. Yeah, it's, it's more yeah. than oh right, and it's it, it's that realization of what Shyamalan, like I say, what he's actually trying to do here, and what what his overall message is about the idea of of heroes and villains. Let fuck it, let's just let's just spoil it, right? Because <laughs> we're dancing around this. He's the bad guy, okay? Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's oh, the bad guy in the end, and all through it's that it's that classic kind of. I think there was probably a lot of like super, Superman and Lex Luthor. In in a way, in this, in that yeah. you've got the two, as he says, you know, they're friends. They become friends. Elijah is is the one who actually guides David towards realizing who he is. In order for Elijah to realize where he is and what what he is and what what role he plays, he's defined. He's become so warped by his life and by what's happened to him. He's defined only by his opposite, which is a which is a big comic book idea. Yeah, big uh, time. You know, and that's what I, what I think is really interesting about it. He's, he has that villain psychology of that he's not doing it necessarily because he's a, an evil man and he wants to actually hurt people. He's doing it because he's psychologically damaged by by everything, and he's he's become warped by his own beliefs and yeah. a sense of twisted purpose, which I which is really interesting to me. I wish they'd looked into him a little bit more. I I mm. really get I really got the feeling with it that there was quite a bit of the movie that's ended up on the cutting room floor. Well, 15 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah, 15 minutes oh. was deleted during post-production. Which, and it's on what... the DVD. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know what's in it. No, I don't. Because um, I was, well, was going to say, I bet that a chunk of it is Sam Jackson footage um, for no reason other than running time. But, but because they're just... I think that there. I just got the idea that there was more to it, that they would have filmed more, and that they would have told more about him, and or at least had more scenes together. Actually, they're not that. They're not together that much. It was just missing it. Like as I say, the premise was quite cool. The opening's quite cool. Some shots are awesome, and then it just just sort of just dies for me. There, there, you, you say there is some awesome shots. I I agree. I think there there are. I think there's some really some really cool visuals. I mean, the, yeah. use of, the use of colour at various points for me stood out in that Shyamalan has talked about before. Like in comic books, the characters themselves have certain colour schemes that are associate with them. So Elijah is purple all through, really. He yeah. has that kind of dark purple thing going on. David quite often has a certain cool green element to his cost to his costume. There's, there's always this colour, and, and at times it's the moments where he's. He's in the he's in the train station, I think it is, or the bus station, and he's he's he puts his hands out and people are walking by and, he, and they touch him and he gets the flashes. There's one where the they're all the people he sees. Everyone else is in grey and, and they're colourful. They're they're either in a red dress or a, a gr- and it really sort of augments them visually. Mm. I I think what he does there is is really interesting and it's just got some. It's got a lot of of I mean of, of moments that I just think are really well shot the, the one that sticks with me as well is at the very beginning when David is in the hospital and the doctor is quite creeped out and he's telling him what happened yes in the yeah. foreground other patient 
yeah, right? who's, yeah. who's arresting and he's dying while, yeah. while he's being told that he's... I mean, I think that, that was really, really cool in terms really. of the shot. Yeah, um, and I thought the opening, like the way that they shot it on the train, and you, it was, it was, you kind of felt like you were, were sort of sneaking uh, a peek at this conversation, yeah. this exchange between him and this, him and this girl who wasn't his wife. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, yeah. but I feel like it was the opening was great. As I say, I, I really like the first twenty-five minutes. I felt I, I was quite hopeful for it, and I was enjoying it, and I was really up for it. And it just, it just disappointed. I think that was. It stays beautiful. His film is. His films are visually lovely. I think mm. he has got a style. Mm. And in this case, I think it kind of worked against him at times. That's all. It was just too, too long, too dragged out in the wrong places. It, it did have a certain critical imbalance. You know, the, on the whole, I think most people think it's good, but yeah. it doesn't. But that it does let itself down towards the end. There was talk about sequels. There have been talk circulating that it was the start of a trilogy, which Shyamalan has said wasn't true. And it's, there's been these rumours flying around for years and years and years. The most recent was Shyamalan said the second planned villain from the first film, who didn't end up actually happening, was moved to the planned sequel, but that character is now being used for an upcoming film that he will write and produce. Yeah. So... Who knows? That was 2010, so who knows? There hasn't been any anything more on that since. I personally don't want a sequel to this. I I, I think it's it's very good in its own way. It's a great little film. I'm happy to for it just to stay where it is. <laughs> I don't know if I'd watch it based on based on the first one, but may, I'd, maybe I'd, maybe if it went more into it, maybe I'd be open. Mm. But yeah, it is what it is. It doesn't need a sequel. No, I think. No. Don't well, do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It won't be one you watch <laughs> if yeah. they do. Okay, well, that was Unbreakable. Unbreakable is available on um, DVD and Blu-ray, obviously, and you can probably see it on certain streaming sites. For British listeners, it is definitely on Now TV because that's where I watched it. Thanks to Elizabeth Marshall, who nominated Unbreakable. Uh, you can find her at the underscore Liz Marshall on Twitter, and she is a devourer of books, random poet, Amateur photographer, lover of films, TV, music, and a grump, apparently, <laughs> according to her Twitter profile. Well, thank you for that. It's a good nomination, and it leads us uh, neatly onto our next topic. Given we were doing Unbreakable, and we're doing M. Night Shame about the last film, it seemed appropriate to, uh, to talk about something that he'd been quite involved with actually over over the ages um yeah. since he started and that's movies with twists yeah so to start off with because we've got some good examples of movies with twists now we are probably going to spoil a few twists here all right so if, you, if you'd rather <laughs> if you'd rather skip this bit <laughs> stop listening whenever we mention a film <laughs> okay you're about to become really unpopular as yes and you're going to listen to me again after this bit but start with what's what do you consider to be the, the most shock twist you've ever seen? I don't know if it's the most shocking, but it is definitely my favourite, and it's mm. one of my favourite movies, and that is Primal Fear. Funnily enough, I watched Primal Fear about a month ago. <sighs> it's a good film, yeah. <laughs> and Yes, and it was Ed Norton's sort of big debut onto film, and obviously he was Oscar nominated for it, mm. and rightly so, because, Wow. I just I, yeah. the first time I watched it, and of course, and it comes right at the end. Yeah, I, it's just it's just brilliant. I think. Yeah, it brilliant was. Twist. It was a pretty great twist, which is 
Primal Fear, so spoilers. Yeah. You've been warned, which is that Edward Norton has basically been playing Richard Gere all along. And it's... Yeah. It, 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 I, I didn't see it coming because it, it just... I was like, wow. And you can you can see how Edward Norton then went on to be a, you know, a quite a... play quite sinister roles and things like that and quite... Because at first, in, during that film, I was thinking, well, he's playing against type here. He's quite like... You know, he's an altar boy. He's yeah, you know, and he's got this stutter, and yeah. he's he's, a, he's quite baby. Fa- I mean, he's always baby faced, but he's especially baby faced in this because he's he's so young. Yeah, exactly. And he's this he, so he's this altar boy who's been accused of murder. And whilst uh, Richard Gere's called on to defend him, they discover that he's actually got a split personality. The altar boy has a split personality, and his his alter alter ego has. It is this sort of super aggressive, sociopathic, clearly very violent uh, mm. guy called Roy. Mm. So absolute opposite of, of this stuttering, sweet altar boy. And Ed Norton is just fantastic at, at both, I think. Totally steals the show. Yeah. Um, and obviously the, the twist is character-driven. I, I love a good thriller. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just I just think it's a really great film with really great performances. It, it, yeah, it's one of those films I think that's actually it, it's made better by its cast and by oh, the definitely. performances than the actual story necessarily or the or the script. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that is that is a good choice. Mine, I think, would be again not perhaps the best twist, but what I remember being genuinely surprised by and thinking that's really clever is a an early David Fincher film called The Game. Have you ever seen The Game? Who's who's in it? It, re- it rings a bell, but I... Michael Douglas. Oh, and is it Sean Penn? And Sean Penn. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. And yeah, and basically, yeah. it's it's a it's a slightly ahead of its time kind of idea. This in that it's yeah. uh, Michael Douglas is this really cold-hearted kind of businessman who's alienated everyone in his life, and then his brother offers him a present to play a a kind of augmented real sort of life <laughs> game in which. As a, as a birthday present and then it starts to become really really sinister and suggests that he's got involved in this very deadly kind of conspiracy and the beauty of it really is that <laughs> is that it's got this bizarrely positive ending which which you don't see coming at all in yeah. that the game is literally just the game and it's effectively a morality tale for this very sort of cold hearted guy to not go down the same route as his yeah. father and it, it, it's it's brilliant it's all a bit Scrooge <laughs> isn't yeah. it yeah, yeah, yeah it is a bit <laughs> yeah it is like that yeah. it's, a wonderful, it's all a bit it's a wonderful <laughs> life in the end and you like you've been on I know yeah I haven't seen it for ages but I've no, been it now I've been like what <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's a really yeah. good way of describing it like it's a wonderful life because it's like a twisted inverse it's a wonderful life yeah and it's exactly. typical Fincher you know it's typical David Fincher you know the kind of films he went on to make and he obviously made before with Seven which again is another great oh. twist it just I just I love I want to watch it again and enjoy it but I just remember thinking that's that's brilliant because I, I totally didn't see that coming at all I'm so, going to watch it again now, actually. You've reminded me of this film. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's what Dig it out. Yeah. It's 20 years old, nearly that. 1997. Yeah. yeah. That's going back. We've had a couple of people on uh, on Twitter uh, say what they think their favourite twist is. JT Vaughan nominated uh, the, unu- the, the Unusual... The Usual Suspects. Oh, yeah. Which is probably, aside from one other film, the greatest twist ending in cinema, I, I think. 
it's it's iconic now, isn't it? Yeah. Really. If if somebody says to you twist ending, they will they will probably yeah. think of either the sixth sense or the usual yeah. suspects. Although I, I would I would argue there's another movie twist that isn't the end of a film, but it's a very very important one for cinema, which I'll come to in a bit. But those are the two big ones, really. Um, so yeah. I think he's absolutely right, and that's one twist I'm not giving away <laughs> because. Well, if you don't know it by now, then well, shame yeah. on you. Yeah, you. you probably won't be listening to this <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah if you don't know the twist of the of the usual suspect and you trust me you don't want to just go and watch the film and also dan taylor who obviously is the co one of the co-hosts of pick a flick said Sh- shutter island which is another good one. Oh um, yeah leonardo DiCaprio. yeah and again perhaps another ca- more of a character sort of based twist really for that one which i think is, is a good shout can you think of any any more any more great twists in cinema um you mentioned Seven, which I think, again, is great. Saw. Oh, which, yeah. Yeah, good. which kind of, I think, it's twist ending, kind of saved it from being this gross-out horror movie. Mm. And um, I it's I really remember seeing it. I went to see it at the cinema. I don't know why, because I'm not a horror movie fan, but <laughs> I, was just, I was fooled into this. Anyway, so I went to see it, and I've made it through the end, and, you know, the big reveal happened. Yeah. And people clapped. Yeah, like the yeah. people in the cinema clapped it, and it. I think it mass- It just instantly changed it from mm. from just this kind of I don't know dark, gross out gore fest to to something actually quite smart, something um, cleverer. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's. I get why they they obviously did follow it on, but I wish they hadn't. I think they should. They should. It was it was more like seven. It suddenly elevated itself. Yeah. But yeah, so I thought that was good. That is a good one. Going back to Shyamalan, The Village is another one. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, the, they're all in a like a 19th century life. <laughs> is that right? Is that Basically, the yeah. It's, it's yeah. that they... The whole film seems to be set in like the 19th century and there's a monster yeah. in, in, the, in the woods and it turns out that they're actually in the present day <laughs> and they're in this bizarre oh, kind of <laughs> commune. They don't realise... It, it's. Re- I, I'm not sure it's a. It's a great twist, but I remember really going, "What? Yeah, what? I just. I yeah. couldn't believe it. But it, yeah, because that's not a particularly great film. But it's. It deserves maybe looking at looking at again. The Departed. I mean, it's Scorsese. Oh yeah. Have you seen? Mm. I, I, does it count as a twist? I, again, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's great. I think great film. I, I think um, it may do. I, I, yeah. I you know it it's. So you, you, it's this kind of good cop, bad cop uh, mm. between Matt Damon and, and Leonardo DiCaprio with Jack Nicholson mm. as the ultimate kind of bad guy in it. And mm. Leo just, it's it, he. do you know the bit I mean? He comes out the elevator. Yes. And yeah. suddenly the film's wide open. Yeah. And this is sort of inc- relatively near the end, but you've still got another sort of 40 minutes to go. I yeah, and I just I, the first time I watched it, I was just like, "What?" And yeah, yeah. so it, so it kind of maybe maybe a maybe not so much a twist, but a sharp a sharp right turn. Well, I, I think those those kind of things count. I mean, you know, the very idea of a twist is when something goes in a different direction. It doesn't yeah. necessarily have to loop back on itself or, or leave you with a complete "what the fuck." If yeah. It's a, if it's a basic kind of "wow," I didn't I didn't see that coming. And I, 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 as I said earlier, the, the one that I think is one of the most important. For cinema and has influenced a hell of a lot is is the Empire Strikes Back yeah. because it's it's the moment where Darth Vader tells Luke that he's his father 
Can you imagine how that must have that must have played in a world that was before the internet, that was before any kind of spoiler? Oh, I mean, you a dream world you, before you podcasts well, like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, before some <laughs> idiot with a mic could come on and start yeah. spoiling everyone's. But no, yeah, I mean, that would have just. I mean, it would have been a seismic reaction. I mean, you would have had people going, "Oh my god!" And it, it's it's yeah. that it's that kind of thing that just completely changes the context of something utterly. That I think counts just as much as having you know, the rug pulled from under you right at the end. Oh, totally. It's it's probably one of the most famous lines in yeah. cinema, right? Easily, mm. yeah, and one of the most influential scenes, really. Mm. There's there's a few other good ones I found. The others, which has Nicole Kidman in, which is a bit sixth sense. Yes, in, in ghost, what that does. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, um, but that's a bit. That's spoiler alert. Go. Yeah, they're, they're all dead. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna dead. get we're gonna get yeah. hate mail. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, we did warn you. We did. If you're still listening, yeah. we did warn you. Okay, you've got no one to blame but yourselves. Yeah. Another one that is more of a oh twist than an actual like shock is Old Boy. I don't know if you're familiar with Old Boy, the um, South no. Korean film. No. Old Boy is this really disturbed South Korean thriller, which is about a man who is imprisoned for fifteen years in a room for reasons he doesn't he doesn't know, and he go he he goes crazy, but then he he escapes and he's used the fifteen years to basically train himself up to be like a killing machine. So he then escapes and, and hunts down all the people who who put him there, and it's it's all part of a you know and, and along the way um, there's this girl there who's quite a bit younger than him, and she, he ends up she goes with him and, and they end up sleeping together and ultimately you find out that she's his daughter so oh. he, and he mm. and his reaction is horrible <laughs> yeah, it's, one, it's, it's one yeah it's one of those moments where you go oh god because there yeah it's so it's well done it's really well done it's a real gut punch so yeah it's it sounds like not a nice film it's a brilliant film though it's yeah, well worth watching google it i'll google it look it up look it up just don't watch the remake with josh brolin because that's not very good i think another good one another big one that people would cite is fight club as well yeah yeah selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Because that, that would be up there with Six Sense and Usual Suspects, I think, in terms of the ones that made you go, what? You Definitely. Know, Ed Norton again. Yeah. yeah. He, he gets about, doesn't he? He does. He's got split personalities down, I think. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, and David Fincher again. You know, these three yep. three times he's cropped up now in his films in, in, in when you mm-hmm. talk about these lists. One last one I'll say, which, well, there's, this film, there's two of this. The Planet of the Apes is another oh, big yeah. one. Now, the original Planet of the Apes twist is fantastic, and it's a real, oh, God, you know, yeah. and, you know. Oh, oh, you, yeah, you feel it with him. The remake by Tim Burton, I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> yes, unfortunately I have. Do you remember the end? <laughs> Do you want to know a really horrible, cringy fact? I went to the premiere of Planet of the Apes, <laughs> and I met Mark Wahlberg. Brilliant. Yep, That's and I shook fact. his hand. And it was a really hot day, and I'm sure I've been really sweaty. <laughs> and just absolutely like, oh my god, it's Mark Wahlberg! I just stared at him, and it was an awful film. <laughs> it was. You didn't meet him after the film, did you? No, oh, my goodness, right. no. Because your your I... reaction would have been, and even the whole. Oh, so, how do you like the film? Yeah. Um, you Silent. need to go, Mark. <laughs> yeah. I lied to Marky Mark. Oh, just to clarify, I was just in Leicester Square. Uh, I happened to. The premiere happened to be going on. I just realised that that sounded as if I was a guest. <laughs> I was. I was literally a stranger in the street. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that did sound a lot cooler. You've just undermined. Yeah, I've ruined it. Cut this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the twist of that film of the remake is is ridiculous. You know, he basically the, is that it's not that the, the the Statue of Liberty is on the beach. It's that he goes, he finds himself in an alternate future. Where yeah. Abraham Lincoln was a was an ape. I mean, it, it, you, <laughs> I mean, I remember the going. Oh, what? Come what on! An to like one of the greatest presidents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and a great film as well. Yeah, you know, exactly. a great yeah, just, original film. How can we offend modern times? <laughs> yeah, like, in as many ways as possible. Exactly. It's just that in this case is a twist too far. So I th- I think movie twists I think can be a good and a bad thing. I think they've we've got to a point now where they are, in some cases, expected by certain filmmakers. You know, people expect one from Shyamalan now, and he hasn't really given anybody one for a while. But they can also be really bad. And I think you should, uh, personally, I think you should only really go for a twist if it works in the context of the story. And if it's not a twist for effect, like the Planet of the Apes remake would be, or to tee up a, a completely random sequel. But it actually is one of, is a character-based twist or like in seven with the head, and where you go, you, yes. Oh God, that's and that. Well, but I, I would imagine that those twists weren't even thought of as twists; they were just the story. Seven was super smart with it, I think, because yes, it's really key to the story, and it's it's conclusive as well. Yeah. But also because, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is like a, a fact that I'm remembering from long ago. But Kevin Spacey isn't billed on that film no I don't think um, is, no. so, so when audiences first went to watch it 
uh, they had absolutely no idea Kevin Spacey was in it and then sort of like halfway through Kevin Spacey appears yeah. and the whole film's kind of turned on its head from that point on and you've got mm. this, this big actor who's not billed in order to be that that twist giver which is really awesome I think And but, but I, I do think a twi- it, so much of it's down to the execution yeah and, and harking agree. briefly back to Unbreakable it's it, there is a sort of twist at the end and it could have been done really well and mm. he's obviously really capable of doing twists very well Sixth mm. Sense but it just it wasn't given enough time it wasn't given enough mm. sort of it wasn't given enough of a moment and I think films that that do that do have these great twists they're great because of the way that they're played out that's the core of it really and I think that's mm. That's what distinguishes a good twist from a bad twist. So yeah. we uh, we apologise sincerely for ruining <laughs> all the films. Yeah, oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> but, no, like they're I all say, really good as well. They're all really good movies. Apart from Planet of the Apes, they're all the new one. They're all really good movies. So. Yeah, so yeah. maybe we should have led with Planet of the Apes and just... Yeah. <laughs> like I said, you, if you listened on, it's your fault. Your fault. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's time to pick a flick. The Skin, which is a 2013 science fiction horror art film directed by Jonathan Glazer and written by Glazer and Walter Campbell as a loose adaptation of Michelle Faber's 2000 novel of the same name. The film stars Scarlett Johansson as an otherworldly seductress who preys on men in Scotland. Glazer developed Under the Skin for more than a decade, eventually settling on a film that takes an alien perspective of the human world. Most of the characters were played by non-actors and many scenes were unscripted conversations filmed with hidden cameras on the street. Even though Under the Skin didn't recoup its 13 million budget, it received huge praise from critics, particularly for Johansson's performance, Glazer's direction and Mika Levi's score. Here's a clip. No girlfriend, really. Oh, I don't have a girlfriend at all. Very charming. That's now. Yeah, sorted. Handsome face. Aye. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Do you? Aye, they're gorgeous. Do you? Aye, definitely. Good. I've got a nice smile as well, by the way. Do I? Aye, big thing. You've got your smile. Aye. You've a nice smile yourself. Cheers. Under the skin, I think, Laura, is both the weirdest film and also the best film I have seen in a long time. Are we going to have another one of these again where you tell me you hate it? (laughs) No, no, we're not. So I actually remember you mentioning Under the Skin to me like last year sometime. Oh, really? Yeah, I I remember you being like, have you seen Under the Skin? And I was like, no. And I hadn't seen it until last night. (laughs) So I watched it last night, last minute. And it is really weird. And I really liked it. And I... I don't really know why I liked it. I, like, <laughs> I just... Yeah. It's like nothing I've ever really watched. Mm. 
it's a total experience, I think. Yeah. Which it's that sounds so just ugh, really pretentious, but it's <laughs> it it really is. It's this really odd feeling, like it's evocative and yeah. it's this odd, odd movie that, that you yeah. kind of feel like you're it's watching you as well. It's this really Yeah, yeah I I've not seen anything like it. I think the title is appropriate because yeah, it got time. under my skin. Agree. And when I went to see it at the cinema, because I'd heard a lot about it, and mm. uh, it was it had a low critical buzz behind it, and people were talking it up as kind of like the kind of film that Stanley Kubrick might have made back in the day. Yeah, because it John, is John, yeah, yeah, it has a lot of Kubrick. Jonathan Glazer is a filmmaker. He's only made three films, so he's one of these people who is extremely rare when he does anything the only two films he's done apart from this is Sexy Beast which I love Sexy Beast which yeah is a great film yep. um, which had Ray Winston Ben Kingsley in which was 2000 and before then he'd just done music videos and commercials mm. and then he did one called Birth with um, with Nicole Kidman which again is one of those films that a lot of people not many people have seen and but it has it's people who love it but he was working on Under the Skin after Sexy Beast. So this has taken over 10 years to come to the screen, basically. And I think what it, when I went to see it, I remember wondering... I had no idea what I was... I'd seen the trailer and it creeped mm. me out, no end. And then I went to see the film and I came out of that cinema thinking, like you said, I've never seen anything quite like this before. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit shaken by how strange and creepy it was. And just how, just how indefinable it is. Because if, if to, to, I gave a bit of the plot earlier, but that is really just kind of skimming over what this is. It's really yes. not that simple, and it's not that easy to understand. And a lot of people, I think, would come out of this film going, "I've no idea what what any of that meant." I think weirdly, and again, this the, it's one of those films that unless you've seen it, you won't, you just won't appreciate it. You won't understand what we're trying to mm. say. In that, yeah, it's such an experience to watch, and I can guarantee there are people who will hate it and who won't like yeah. it. You won't get anything from it, and that's, but that's almost that's fine as well. It's this, it's really like it. Whilst it does have a plot, its plot is secondary. Yeah. to kind of just witnessing it. Does that yeah. make any sense? Do, no, do you know completely. what I mean? Yeah, because it feels like a piece of art. It feels like you're watching yeah, it. Yeah, it really does. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's, like I say, it's, like you said, it sounds really pretentious, but it, in yeah. this case, I think, I think it's apt. It was, it, but then when you watch Kubrick and things like that, you feel like you're watching... If you watch 2001, you don't feel like you're watching a film. You feel like you're watching a piece of art. Yeah, but with with Kubrick movies, like I think, there, and there is a nod. I think there is a nod to it, a nod oh, to yeah. his style in Hugely. this, and and concept as well. But with Kubrick movies, the style kind of sticks throughout, mm. and and you remain on that kind of level. But with this, mm. it's this odd, like it, it's just kind of candid camera. Some scenes are sort of shot kind of candid camera esque, mm. um, and you've got this big star, Scarlett Johansson. And then there's sort of this really sort of special effect uh, alien alien portion to it, and then there's this mm. kind of B grade gritty sort of you get this feeling that it's a really small crew, yeah, all in the Highlands. It's, <laughs> it's the style changes are there that the yeah. kind of it, just as I say, it kind of takes you on this little ride. It's an odd movie. Well, it's it's interesting because there's some 
there's some backstory to this. Originally, Glazer mm. and Walter Campbell wrote a script about two aliens disguised as farmers, and Brad Pitt was going to play the husband. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, which, was, yeah. which is really... Uh, yeah, but the, the it took them a long time to get any any progress with that. And it doesn't sound like... The book is the same idea, which which uh, as, as the actual film. Glazer, in the end, wanted to make a film that represented an alien perspective of the human world, which focused on the female character. And he wanted Gemma Arterton. Um, oh, okay. Which which I could I could see working actually because if you if you put her and Scarlett Johansson next to each other they're quite they look similar and they have a, a certain they they're both they're both attractive they both have a, a an allure that I think definitely they're very sen- they're sensual looking aren't yeah. they that's they're, they're, yeah their they beauty are. is very sensual absolutely and I quite I think she's quite an underrated actress Gemma Arterton so I, I think she would have been mm. good at this. They wouldn't bankroll it, however, the studio, unless they got a bigger star in the end than Gemma Arthur. She's well, yeah, it's been harsh. Yeah, fine, <laughs> but <she's>, whatever. <laughs> but she's never, she's not quite broken after the Bond film she starred in. She's mm. not quite broken through. So when Johansson was cast, they managed to do it. Most of the characters were played though by non-actors. Many scenes where Johansson's character picks up men were unscripted conversations with men on the street filmed with hidden cameras, like you said. Glazer said that the men were talked through what extremes they would have to go to if they agreed to take part in the film once they understood what they were doing. So you've got obviously these guys who are, you know, not actors. They're being approached by a Hollywood megastar they don't recognise you know, (laughs) who's speaking in a plum English accent, has a wig on, so she looks nothing like Black Widow or whatever. And so they wouldn't... And then it would... Imagine trying to explain this film to them. Right, you're... We we need you to be in this film where you're going to be maybe killed by an alien, maybe an alien, who is (laughs) riding around in a truck to... In a transit van. In a transit van. And she has... She has a, a... partner who is actually a championship motorcycle road racer called Jeremy McWilliams who plays the motorcyclist because they needed a and they needed a world class motorcyclist who could ride through the Scottish Highlands at high speeds in bad weather because obviously you see him on that bike so yeah he's actually a very famous man in the road racing world but it's just it defies categorization that's why I love it so much because like you said it does change it does flit about in the kind of stylistics it's doing it uh, sometimes it's quite artfully shot then like you say it's grainy then it's it's just completely surrealist and bizarre and all the way through it's got this incredible score I mean the the soundtrack for this is I mean as soon as I I I watched the film I bought this soundtrack because it's it's some of the creepy yeah well it's some of the creepiest music ever and it's really atmospheric and I was going to say, um, when are you going to listen to this? Well, <laughs> like, why is that? The bar, a bit of under the skin. I'm a weird one for my, uh, yeah. for my soundtracks. I do. It's, it's kind of things on long journeys. I'll put things on. Quite atmospheric stuff. So I like my atmospheric kind of soundtracks. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I'm a joy to be around. <laughs> on car uh, journey and I have a two-hour drive somewhere. <laughs> but it's, it's just this... The, the music, I mean, it's a great film anyway, but the music just really added to it, I thought, because it just, it's just unlike, again, it's just unlike anything else. Mm. And just builds this sense of really creeping unease about what's happening and just pure weirdness. I mean, it's, it's the scenes where, you know, the men are going into but, her lair and they're just yeah. walking into the ground goo. Yeah, the sort of the, the black abyss kind of. Yeah. yeah. Something that's super smart, I think, like you you touched on it briefly, 
is I think the casting of Scarlett Johansson, mm. who blew me away in this movie. Yeah, actually, and she, I thought she was superb. Mm. She is, she's perfect for it, and and like I really, I was thinking about it a bit today in this movie, and I could, I was trying to think who else I could see in the role, and I just, I actually just couldn't see anybody else. She's, yeah, and it's not even just based on looks because I, I, she does look the part. She is so sort of ethereal and beautiful. Uh, and she is a little bit out of this world gorgeous mm. but it's just she plays this alien so well and she's aloof and yet charming and creepy but vulnerable and you you completely she's completely engaging the whole way through mm. and I, I hadn't I've never seen her like that actually in a movie and what's really odd is I don't know if you saw have you seen a film called Lucy? Yeah. That I you see I thought that was awful. And actually <laughs> but they're quite they're quite similar actually in, in in sort of in ways the two films. And yet when you think I just think how could she have done that and then done this as well? Well, there was a point I think I made at the time that mm. and I don't mean, I, I I try not to mean this with a great deal of disrespect to Scarlett Johansson but mm. she, the reason she's so good is because she doesn't have to act very much in a way it's like she is and she isn't she can get up she can be very expressionless and she can make it work in terms of the character and this she gets across the idea that this person this woman is completely alien I mean that that's one of the things that with this film in a lot of films, aliens never seem like aliens. You know, they, they just feel like humans with, with odd, odd languages or weird prosthetics. They, they're just too humanoid. These aliens are truly alien. You don't, you, you don't know who they are. You don't know really what they want. You don't know quite what they're here for. But what you do get is that sense that she is starting to understand the human condition. And it's why she starts to do th- go off book, which is ultimately what happens. Yeah, and I think what's really what's really smart with it as well is that you side with her quite quickly, uh, or I certainly did. So you know, like it's quite early on. She's she's walking through like a shopping centre in mm. in Glasgow. So I think it's Glasgow, isn't it? That it's set. I think so. Right? Yeah, yeah. In Glasgow somewhere, and she looks completely baffled. And they sort of do these cutaway shots. Um, of people shopping and then later on she's on the street and they do again these cutaway sort of shots of, of couples walking down the street and people mm. eating fried chicken and and I just I sat there thinking god people are really weird we're really weird and I really <laughs> and I it was just it's I don't know how they portrayed it that's it sounds really ridiculous but I really just you completely get what she's seeing and how weird we all must look and and for film to do that I think despite the fact that she is driving around and creeping on and seducing these men for some alien purpose Mm. you you see it from her perspective you know you do you view this human condition from other eyes and it's and to do that I think it's just it was crazy I just I was watching it just completely absorbed yeah, it, 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 I know exactly what you mean because it mm. does that. It does really put you in her shoes yeah. and gives you her vision of it, you know. Mm. And to the point, yeah, where she she just is trying to understand us through, through various different means, through sexuality, through interaction. The, one of the most interesting scenes is the scene with the the uh, disfigured man. And yes. interestingly enough, he's that is not prosthetics. No, it that's, is, that's... 
I think I remember reading an article about him yeah. actually. Yeah, to cast him, they uh, contacted a charity called Changing Faces, who mm. which support people with facial disfigurements. And the the man, his, his name's Adam Pearson, and he has neurofibromatosis, and he's worked in other television productions. Uh, he even had an impact into how she could lure his character in the script. I mean that that is <laughs> that scene kind of sums up what in a way what the movie is because it is really her trying to trying to figure out what what the what humanity means and what, and it, the key thing is that she lets him go and that he he ends up presumably being killed by the the motorcyclist because that he knows too much or he's seen too much it's it's just it's just really interesting in, in what in, in the, and it's none of it's in the script there's nothing in the script essentially because it's very dialogue sparse Yes. There, there is. There is. There's no monologues. There's no explanations. There is no. nothing that clarifies anything in this film. I mean, the, the first shot itself you can interpret in many different ways. Yeah. You know, it looks like it. Lo- it could look like a spaceship coming to Earth. It could look like the the explosion of a sun. It could, and then ultimately, it could look like the iris of an eye and things like that. It's amazing. It's a, one of those amazing shots that just. It, 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 it's the interpretation of it all yeah and I think I think that's its power because as I say it's it's a total experience it's a very individualized experience so I think I could watch it and you could watch it and someone else could watch it and all three of us would come away feeling completely different about it and taking different things from it and asking different questions I love the fact that at the end by the end with the incredibly bleak ending yes you you are left with you're left with many many questions that you never want answered it. Well, I never. I don't want to know really what the answers are. Yeah. But at the same time, I felt like I felt like I understood her journey. At the same yeah. time, I feel exactly. like I, I I got from it what I needed to get from it. Even though it is all very much you get you take from it what you want to. Yeah, I mean it. It touches on so much stuff from sex to love and compassion and death and rape and violence and extraterrestrials to like being human and just and what that means uh, I mean you could even argue it's feminist I'm sure people ha- I haven't haven't had much of a chance to look into it I only watched it last night and I haven't haven't looked into it much but I imagine there's feminist arguments for it for and against it well yeah it's interesting you talk about the feminism side because a writer called Christy Puchko has written about how the film creates a reverse of contemporary rape culture where violence against women is so common that women are casually warned to ever be alert for those who might harm them. By and large, men don't worry about their safety in the same way when walking home late at night, but in the world of under the skin, they absolutely should. So it's interesting that there are certain feminist and gender themes, you know, rippling underneath here. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I I watched it and I don't know why, but I, I sort of tuned into that aspect of it. I don't, I, th- this is the thing. And again, this this probably sounds ridiculous if you haven't seen the movie, but you don't. I can't say what's obvious, so I have no idea if that would stand out to somebody else, mm-hmm. or if it should stand out at all. If I'm just, I don't know, I've picked up on something and run with it. Yeah. But like, I think the fact she's she's driving around in this white transit van, and like she drives through a football crowd and things like this, and there's definitely a feeling that she's encroaching on a stereotype, yes, but typical male territory. Mm. And yeah, so she she sort of charms these these guys relatively easily. She is Scarlett Hansen after all. Let's be fair, and yeah. uh, and she looks she looks great, although unrecognisable. Arguably, she she does look great. And she takes them back to to her house, 
and they 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 walk into this abyss. They think they think they're going to have sex. They strip. She strips. And actually, but this is where I think the film it does something really remarkable again. And you have this this actress who is lauded and critiqued constantly about how she looks. She's one of the world's most sort of celebrated beauties, you know. Mm. Yet it isn't this crass, perverted, ticket-selling excuse, you know, of skin. Mm. It's necessary. And it isn't alienating, which, excuse the, the pun, um, <laughs> it, is, it actually engages the viewer. And yeah. she, she's completely naked at one point, isn't she? She, like, yeah. she examines herself in the mirror, her human body in the mirror. And... There's a, there's also there's another part um, in that she's she's actually going to have human sex with the with this guy and she examines in between her legs. Do you know you know the bit I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. And you'd think that 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 with Scarlett Johansson in the role would attract Halle Berry swordfish kind of attention. You know, like mm. and it, but it isn't it isn't these it isn't these base crass ticket sale skin scenes. It's it's really human. It's really sort of. It's really necessary. It's about and, it's about the the character more. Than, yeah, more completely, than it's and not the plot it. and the point, and that's where I think it's kind of. That's where I think it's quite unusual for a movie where you've got an actress bearing so much and saying so little, mm. but yet being completely powerful in doing it. Do Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, totally. Mm. And then. Um, yeah, for that, I thought it was, it's, again, quite remarkable and quite brave. And if, and it's a real, I think it's a real feat of filmmaking to do that with somebody of her fame and yeah. celebrity. And, you know, I, I like, I, I remember hearing about the movie, but I didn't hear about it because Scarlett Johansson was naked in it. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know? And that's, to me, that's a credit to it because she is naked in it and she's naked in it a lot. So you know, if you're a Scarlett Hansen fan, cash in. But... <laughs> yeah, you'll love this film. <laughs> you know, yeah, you'll love this film. It's crucial to the film, really. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a lot more. I've got a lot more respect for for her as an actress after this, really. Same. Um, it's, it was a brave role to take. It was a, a difficult role. Much as I made the point about how she doesn't have to act, she she does. It's a difficult role anyway. You know, it's it's her, it's the lack of acting that is the acting in this case, and that's. And that's the point. She underplays it very well. And I just think it's a masterpiece. I, I genuinely think it's a masterpiece. I, I, I would cite it as my as the best film of 2013 wow. um, for me, which is when it was first released. I, I, I think it will be the kind of film that people will, will analyse in years to come. Um, yeah, I just think I think it's definitely worth a watch. It's This is it, though. Do I like it? Yeah, I did like it, but... Would I sort of, it's not the kind of film that you want to sit down on a Saturday afternoon and no. with, your, with your mate and chill out. And it's, it's a, it is a very specific kind of film. And yet it's so undefinable. Yeah. It, it is the oddest thing I've seen. And I mean, I don't mean odd in any sort of negative sense. I just, I mean it literally. Yeah. It, is odd. it is an odd film. It is really unusual. And yeah. Really, like you say, it's an experience. And I would encourage anyone. To undertake it, basically. Yeah. So thank you for the two people who actually nominated under the skin. It oh. uh, it wasn't a solo nomination. Yeah, it came from Rich Walker at Whiskey Rich on Twitter on Twitter, and he's a film addict, book addict, music addict. He loves film scores and soundtracks, traveling and photography. So give him a follow. 
And also, it was nominated by In Session Film, who uh, have their own podcast, which is uh, on every Monday and Friday. Uh, so look them up at InSessionFilm.com for movies and, uh, and podcast fun. So thanks, guys, for that nomination. Brilliant one, brilliant film, and I think it's one we won't forget in a hurry. Yeah, and it made me watch it, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Job done. Finally, then, we're going to go to the quiz section of the Oh, podcast. no, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> oh, my no. Um, no. This is the question time quiz in which, Laura, you're going to be quizzed on the film oh. of your choice, and yeah. you will go onto the leaderboard, which is currently being led by the, uh, the crew of Do You Expect Us to Talk, the James Bond podcast who were on last week, who got seven out of eight right um, as a about team. About James Bond? About James Bond, yeah. So what is the what's the film you've picked, Laura? That uh, what I asked you to. Well, it's just one film, yeah. and it's a league of their own. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I've picked it is because it is probably the film that I've watched the most. So I, oh. I thought I'd hedge my bet. Which is the 1992 to 1992 yep. film, isn't it? About um, with Tom yep. Hanks about baseball, yeah. Yeah, or the um, women's baseball in world well, during World War Two. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's bloody good actually. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm cringing, but it is, it is a bloody good movie. I'd say it's a guilty pleasure, but a lot of people have said it's good. It's very good. So it I don't is, think. It's, have you not seen it? I haven't seen it. No. Oh, oh my goodness. It's, yeah, um, it, it's a good film. It's a yeah, it's a feel good film. A feel good film. Well, that's mm-hmm. after film after films like Under the Skin. You need a bit of that, I think, as a contrast. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, it's, it couldn't get further away from. from yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have eight questions. Are you ready? Yes. You you really want to say no, but don't you? Yeah, I really do want to say that. I'm about to fail so miserably. Well, you never know. Let's see. Mm. Okay. Uh, question one. Yep. The storyline of the film was inspired by the career of which real life baseball legend? She's. I know she's also called Dottie. Okay. But the surname. Cha- I know her surname changed, but I don't know what. Uh, it's something like. Uh, Dotty Co- Dotty Collins. Well done, Dotty yes. Collins. I was going to give you it anyway for Dotty. Oh, well thank you. For no, Dottie I remember Collins. Excellent. Good. Yeah, she was yeah. Um, a World War Two um, baseball player, and so yeah, she was the inspiration. So that's great. Oh right. Well done. Number two. Who was the only main actress in the film not to do her own baseball stunts? Oh, I'm going to say Madonna, but that's just a guess. It was Gina Davis. Oh, <laughs> the lead. Yeah. Lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a 50-50 that was. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, Gina Davis was the only one who didn't. Okay. During filming of the World Series games, the main stars took turns entertaining the extras. Rosie O'Donnell did stand-up. Madonna sang. But what did Tom Hanks do? Oh, he did, um, he did a, like a puppet show. Yeah, well done. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well yeah. Done. Yeah. He, he did puppet shows yeah which just random yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't think a bit desperate he'd... actually I think yeah. 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 I didn't come here for this <laughs> <laughs> it came for the Madonna concert yeah clearly yeah okay num- number four who did Gina Davis join the production as a late replacement for oh if I describe her do I get <laughs> I, she's in I know oh she's in um, Officer and a Gentleman uh, yeah okay yeah. Um, do you know her name 
Oh, Debbie something. I'll I'll um, give I'll give you this, Deborah Winger. Oh, Deborah Winger. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give it yeah because you said Debbie and the <laughs> Debbie film. For sure. yeah. Debbie for sure. Debbie for sure. So well done. My I'll pal, give you that. Debbie. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> okay, number five. You're doing well. Number five. The American Film Institute rated "There's No Crying in Baseball." Yep. The quote where in its top hundred movie quote. I know this because oh. I, have it on a t- I have it on a t-shirt. Well, I think I know. It. I have it on a t-shirt. You see. If you well, I tell you what, because it's a number, I'm going to give you this within a, within ten to fifteen each way. Okay. So if you get around that, I will give you the point. I'm going to say fifty-two. Oh well, that's a great guess. Fifty-four. Oh. Oh yeah! So you definitely get a point for that. I do have it on a t-shirt though. So. Perfect. That's really good. Yeah. Okay. Number six. How long did the scene where and this is a spoiler, so beware, where Betty Spaghetti <laughs> finds out her husband died take to film? Oh, all day? I don't know. Three days. That was. Well, three that was, days. Yeah, it took three days. Why? Just, I think it was an emotional scene. <laughs> yeah, it's emotional, but bloody hell! If you yeah. see it, you'll. That's not a three-day shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Okay, number seven. What Madonna song features over the end credits? Oh, I, I don't know the title. It's called... I'm going to need the title for this one. Okay. Is it Childhood or Playground? Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll give you it because you've said Playground. This used to be my Playground. Oh, uh, okay. That's, so yeah. I can give you, I'll give you the point for that. Yeah. yeah. And oh. finally... Mm-hmm. Name one of the four cast members who reprised their roles in a short-lived CBS TV sequel to this film in 1993. So four of the cast here came back for the TV show. Give me one of them. Um, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna say not Tom Hanks. Um, you, you can't get a point for just not going. Right. Not him. Not him. Uh, <laughs> What the character or the actress? The the actor actress. Oh, I've absolutely no idea. Gina Davis. I don't know. I doubt no. it. But it was. Uh, it, no, it wasn't any of the big ones. Okay. It was oh. um, John Lovitz, Gary Marshall, Megan Kavanagh, and Tracy Reiner oh, uh, right. were the ones who came back for a very, yeah a very short lived TV sequel, which probably nobody else remembers. Well, you haven't done too badly. Out of eight questions, you have got five. Oh, that's not too. Oh, that's not too bad. That's okay. pretty good. That, that puts you fairly okay. high on the leaderboard, actually. Um, oh, good. Yeah. So well done. That's. Uh, I, I hate. To, I, I mean this in the nicest possible way. That's better than I thought you were going to do. It's so much better than I thought I was going to do as well. So I, I really yeah, had very low expectations. I, yeah, you've done really well because I thought that you were going to. Uh, there was going to be too many production questions you weren't going to get. So no, well done. That's. Uh, oh, thank that, you. That is a good innings. Ah, see what you did there. Ah, there you go. Always finish with a joke. Keep them laughing. (laughs) So there we go. You'll go on the leaderboard. And uh, yeah, so that's that's great. Well, that brings us to an end today. So um, thanks for coming on, Laura. It's been great. It's been great for Thank you so much for having me and letting me just ramble (laughs) about my opinions. Very good opinions, though. (laughs) Insightful opinions. Yeah. Um, So no, it's been been cool. Can we find you anywhere on the internet if people want to know more about about Laura Rogers? Uh, that sounds really creepy. I don't yeah, mean I'm it like, to be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, are you on Twitter or are you on Facebook? Craigslist. Do you have just Facebook? But there's there's 
not much to sort of plug or, or to say. See. Yeah, nothing to really see. Just some pictures of some roller derby. So right. and well, cats. That's yeah. it. Yeah, pretty <laughs> well, don't, much. Don't stalk Laura, but do check out the roller derby she does at least. Yeah. So Birmingham Blitz Dames, wasn't it? So yes, it was. Thank um, you. No, that's just great. You can find us at um, Pick a Flick Pod on Twitter, as as usual, and you can email us if you've got any thoughts at pickaflickpod at gmail.com so do send yeah it is a bit yeah (laughs) so do send us any thoughts um what you might think about the podcast anything we could do better anything else and we're also we we, we are on itunes we've been experiencing a few technical difficulties difficulties with itunes which we are hopefully hopefully by the time this goes out we will have sorted them so you should be able to find us on itunes now so do leave us some feedback um, look us up on Acast where we are also hosted if you want to stream we are also now on Podomatic as well if you go onto the website www.pickaflick.co.uk in the episodes page you can find the link to our Podomatic page where you can download the episodes because I know a few people have said do you have a download option so they won't, they won't be permanently up but they will be there for a reasonable period of time for you to download if you want to listen to them so go for that as well and yeah we'll be back soon so remember that this this was pick a flick where you pick them we watch them simple and then we spoil them for you (laughs) (laughs) bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.